is a very good afternoon. It is the Nile Morning Podcast this Monday afternoon. What a weekend it's been. Well, it seems the people of Clare have backed down. The blockades are gone. The government are delighted, of course, because now they get to move the asylum seekers, stroke people seeking international protection, into another hotel because the locals have agreed. And the reason they agreed, probably because so much pressure was being put on them during the week and they were being referred to as extreme right wing. I mean, if we've seen these people, uh, you will see clearly that they're not extreme right wing. They're just local concerned citizens. But politicians have now admitted, yes, Roderick O'Gorman has said, yes, the key is communication. We're not communicating with the people when we're moving busloads of people in the middle of the night into these derelict hotels that are not fit for purpose. But one man who has been fighting against immigration, and if we go right back to Brexit, it was the very reason he said Brexit uh, was necessary, of course, because I suppose to avoid this kind of thing happening. Mind you, in, the, in Britain, that hasn't changed too much. And we'll ask him about that in a few minutes. Nigel Farage, politician and also broadcaster, joins me on the line. Nigel, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. And let's go back to the very beginning of all this. In 2015, boats started crossing the Mediterranean and landing on the shores of Italy and Greece and Malta. And I was there in the European Parliament when the EU common asylum policy, refugee policy, which up until that moment had been a theory. In theory, the EU would manage this for its member states, but in practice, nothing had happened. And ah, there was Mr. Juncker, probably before lunch, knowing him. Uh, he was never, never much use afterwards. Uh, and suddenly Mr. Juncker springs into action and says, right, we are gonna deal with this on an EU basis. And he set down the rules and they were very, very clear. Anybody that crossed the Mediterranean on a boat and set foot on EU soil would be allowed to stay. And I stood up in the European Parliament time and again and said, this is a disastrous policy. It sends a message that anyone can come. And yes, of course, some of those coming genuinely were fleeing war, but others would have you know, been seeking economic opportunities. It will lead to people drowning. Well, thousands of drowned. But they did. And you witnessed that yourself when you went out on the boats yourself. You oh, witnessed absolutely. it because I know absolutely. you went out on the boats. But I mean, look, you have been staunchly against this for many years, very publicly. I mean, people have referred to you as extreme right wing when it comes to this particular issue. And by your own admission, you have to admit there are people who are genuinely fleeing situations where their lives are in danger. And I don't think anybody suggests that we shouldn't be rolling out a red carpet and helping those or supporting those. But where have we gone tragically wrong? Because now what we're seeing in Ireland is, and I remember reporting on this going back five or six years ago, let's talk about per head of population. There's only a population of five million people in this country and we were concerned that we had over five or six thousand people in direct provision going back four years ago we now have over twenty-two thousand people seeking international protection and on top of that we've probably got about eighty thousand ukrainian refugees here in ireland we're in the middle of a housing crisis we've nowhere to put them they're living in tents just a picture there you'll see them all it's like a shanty town it's like tent city and you'll see the, the pictures of them in the background there in tent city uh, essentially that's where they're living because the government now don't have any money they don't have anywhere to put them. So they're arriving in Ireland. They're handing them a 25 euro meal voucher and a tent and a bag. And there's where you go. So what are we yeah, going to do? All of this is a knock on from the point I made earlier about 2015. Once people get into the European continent, then they start to move around the continent. Uh, they generally go to places where the welfare system is the most generous. Uh, and this is one thing that you need to get really hoist on board. The numbers that have arrived on the southern European coasts so far in 2023 are three times the number that came in 2022. So if you think you've got a problem in Ireland at the moment, I promise you something, unless your government changes policy, you ain't seen nothing yet. Are we, now, are we now seeing the remnants of decisions being made in Britain to send people to Rwanda? Now, we know that's a controversial issue, and it still is in the UK. But are we seeing the remnants of that? Are those who were denied permission to remain in the UK are now fearing I could get sent to Rwanda or somewhere else, for that matter, or deported, and they'll come to Ireland? Because as you know, we have had um, so many deportation orders given in this country, and none of them have actually been uh, warranted. In other words, nobody actually really 
really gets deported. Now, I have to say the majority are probably fine. People looking for a better life, and I get all of that, I understand it. But there are and there a mix of individuals who are wanted by Interpol because we have no way of checking because the Irish Times reported recently that the majority of people arriving here in a plane have no passports, no documentation. I don't even know how we're checking these people. Well, first things first, all right? You know, first things absolutely first. Understand that when this began, ISIS openly boasted they would use the Mediterranean as a means to get their operatives into Europe. And you remember those monstrosities that took place in Paris a few years ago of the eight men that committed mass murder. Five had entered France via the Mediterranean. So actually, there is a national security issue here for all of us. Well, we, haven't, we haven't seen much evidence that in Ireland and Britain, certainly, anyway, thankfully. Well, Hang on, hang on. It's early days. This is just beginning. I'm saying there is a national security issue. Secondly, there is a cultural issue. Ireland has a very distinct individualistic culture. Hey, it's why you fought to get away from Westminster and Great Britain, because you wanted your own independence with your own culture. Yeah, but we all but we all welcome diversity and the government has announced recently, by the way, comparison to most countries in Europe now, we have more people non-Irish born, probably per head of population than most countries in Europe because we had a small population, we have a booming economy, we have a good economy and it will get better and we needed more employ employees. So there's no doubt that we need people in Ireland. I mean, we were begging for people to come in here during the Celtic Tiger because we had nobody to work picking fruit, we had nobody to work in the hospitality industry because the Irish people for some reason weren't willing to do it because the pay was too low. So we were thankful of people coming in here. So people are saying, the government is saying, well, maybe you should be thankful now that's that fine. we can we that's can fine. hold a population of 10 million here. If you don't want it to be Ireland, that's fine. Keep going. It won't be Ireland. Irish culture will disappear if that's what you actually want to do. Well, I don't and think the anyone wants that. No. Well, but that's where you're going. And it's the same in my country, in large parts of my country. Now, the economic point is there is a shortage of labour, a perceived shortage of labour. Much of this, of course, is because the very big companies want an unlimited supply of the cheapest possible labour. And if you combine that with the welfare model that we put into place in all of our countries, you find you have large populations of local born people who aren't doing jobs that are being done by those that are coming in. Now, there is no quick fix to that problem. That is true. And there's nothing wrong, if you genuinely in Ireland need labour, there is nothing wrong with issuing a work permit. You know, you go and work in Ireland on a work permit. On that you know, note, Roger Gorman, yes, it was reported in the Irish Examiner, has said that he's reducing the criteria now for visas to come and work in Ireland for unskilled workers. In the middle of all this, we're announcing that we're going to make it even easier. I mean, not that it wasn't easy enough. I don't believe we even have a border at this stage. And you'll see that in County Clare over the week, I suppose, there was a there was blockades and all the roads. You'll see it on the video there. And refugees were basically forced to leave and literally walk back to Dublin again to City West, where they were originally coming from. Because there is nowhere for them to say. Even Leo Varadkar admitted last month, more or less, there was no room at the inn. 40% of the occupation of many of the hotels around the city have been taken up at refugees have to have somewhere to live but what's that going to do for a tourist tourism industry well you say they have to have somewhere to live but hang on a second what is happening in ireland is quite extraordinary because people are boarding airplanes with passports with identification and by the time they get to dublin airport apparently they have no documents and they claim asylum now if the irish government was genuine and sincere in stopping this and allowing, and let's face it, it's mostly young men who are coming into these countries, yours included. Well, those then seeking international protection, yes. Well, yeah. well I mean, with the Ukrainian refugees, 80,000. You can believe that if you want to. You no, 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 I, no, I, I, what I'm doing is I'm differentiating between the kind of 80,000 or so people from Ukraine uh, and those coming in seeking international protection, i.e. asylum yeah. seekers. And the most of those, you're right, would be young men. Ukraine is different. What I'm talking about are people gaming the system in Ireland, getting off aeroplanes at Dublin Airport without passports. Now, the only way you stop that from continuing, and this could go on for years, is you put those people back on a plane straight back to their point of embarkation. And there is 
a lesson in all of this. So what, what about what about what about the lefty humanitarians who are going to tell you, oh, you can't be doing that. You can't be sending people back to certain death or certain, you know, I mean, whatever p political unrest or whatever it is in their country that you can't be doing that. Here is the answer to that. It's very simple. For many years, Australia was seeing a flow of boats that were coming from Indonesia. And just the same as, as the debate we're having now, no doubt some were fleeing horrible stuff. Others were opportunists. But Australia tried repeatedly to stop this from happening. And in the end, Tony Abbott in 2012, the Prime Minister, took the boats under tow, towed them back to Indonesia, and, and, said, fire. and said nobody will ever, ever become a refugee in Australia if they come via this illegal route. And guess what happened? The boats stopped coming. And yes, there was international condemnation from the EU, the UN, the lefties, the media, the New York Times. But that's what you have to do. You either, you either. So you say, take a hard line, is what you're saying. You've got, well, you've got well, look, to take well, a look what's happened in your own country when they took the hard line. They said they'd send them to Rwanda. So there was objections, there was protests, and they still really haven't done it yet. We have not sent a single person to Rwanda. And I don't Are they think going to? Are they going to? I don't think we will. All the while we stay. We may have Brexit from the European Union, but we stayed part of the European Court of Human Rights. And it was that court that stopped a plane on a runway from taking off. So I don't think we'll deal with this until Brexit is fully completed. Three more questions for you, Nigel. In relation to Ireland, there has been a lot of protests over the last sort of six or seven weeks. Started off in East Wall. I know you uh, actually uh, did a piece on the East Wall recently on GB News. But I mean, the government are referring to anybody who goes out on a protest, which has put the fear of God in people and they're now covering their faces going on protest. You are a right wing. You're a racist. When genuinely, and I've spoken to some of these people, many of them are not right wing racist. They're not even right wing. They're just concerned citizens in their communities. I mean, is it wrong that the government are essentially by bad policy are turning people against each other? Disgusting. Absolutely disgusting and divisive. And, it, and, 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 you know, it is actions like this that make communities very unhappy. It is a bad, stupid, selfish thing to do. But the problem is, in our capital cities, um, our, you know, the elites, the globalists, have a different worldview to all the rest of us. Uh, and, and it takes brave people to stand up against this sort of abuse. But, you know, I think it's vital that they do. Okay. Find out two more questions for you. Nigel Farage, you, according to The Guardian, you confessed that Brexit has been a failure. This is according to The Guardian. They're taking your words. Did you actually say that? And if you did, what was the context in which you meant it? Because we're looking at a, situ a situation now where next month thousands of businesses alongside representatives of the farming and the fishing industry will gather in Birmingham for a trade unlocked conference call to discuss a post-Brexit landscape most say has made commercial life infinitely harder. Oh, commercial life is much harder than it was before. Much, much harder. We are now regulating our businesses even more than we were during European Union membership. But has, so has we, it failed? We voted to take back control of our borders. We've got figures coming out this Thursday. It'll be the highest ever level of immigration into Britain. Something like a million net coming in over the course of a year. The Tories have totally failed Brexit. Constitutionally, we may have left, but the reasons people voted for it have been utterly betrayed by a party that never, ever believed in it. And I, I can't even begin to tell you how disappointed I am. I'd say you are, obviously, because you were instrumental, obviously, in Brexit and getting that yes vote across the line. And finally, of course, Donald Trump, the interview in GB News. Great interview. I did watch it. Um, some of the stuff he said you agreed, a lot you didn't agree with. He was constantly going on once again about the voting interference. I think that's going to be the, the, the cross he'll fall on if he keeps mentioning it all the time. Uh, you can't yeah. just keep coming back to that. But do you believe he stands a chance with 34 uh, felony charges against him? Probably more on the way. A lot, of, But mind you, he does seem to be like Teflon and nothing is sticking to him. But do you think he actually stands a chance if we go back to a rematch? Oh, I think it's his to lose. Uh, I think if you look at support for Biden, support for Democrat policies, it's falling very, very substantially. Um, look, I think, I think Donald Trump is going to win next year i really do i the problem with this stolen election narrative 
um, is that it's negative and backwards looking, and he and I disagree on it quite strongly. But one big thing has changed since 2020, and that is Twitter is now a board for genuine free speech as opposed to propaganda for the Democrats. And I think with one or two things like that happening, I think it's likely to be a better, more open debate next time. As far as all the legal stuff is concerned, uh, many Americans now utterly disregard their own judicial system as being too politicized and in need of real reform. And I, I'll finish saying this to you. Whatever you think of Donald Trump's personality, and yet, you know, I know he's an out there New Yorker. He's not exactly everyone's cup of tea, all right? But when it Certainly comes not. to the... No, well, that's right. But when it comes I'm sure, to I'm big, sure you watched the interview on CNN, by the way, where he, yes. he, refer, he referred to the woman who took a case, civil case against her for sexual allegations as being bonkers. In other words, he defamed her again. And I believe she's going to take another case against him. But I mean, he doesn't care, does he? He, he doesn't care. And, 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 you know, the American legal system tying itself in knots the way it is, is a warning, I think, to all of us not to go too far down that route. But on the big stuff in the world, like the rise of China, on the big stuff in the world, like stopping perpetual war, I think on these things, Donald Trump was a highly successful president. I think the Abraham Accords between Israel and many of those Arab states, these were all big achievements on the world stage. And I think the world is becoming an increasingly dangerous place. And I think, frankly, uh, with Biden, we're literally handing the world over to the Chinese Communist Party. We need Trump. Will you be standing beside him on the stage next time around? Always support my friends. Absolutely. I've supported him from day one. I've never, ever wavered. Doesn't mean that I agree with everything, everything he says or does as any more than you would agree with your best friend on everything they say or do. But I think he's a force for good and I think we need him. And yes, I'll be there. Nigel Farage, thank you very much indeed for joining us today. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan podcast. Listen live on Facebook, YouTube, and all the usual live stream services. To get in touch, just WhatsApp or text 085-100-2255. The Niall Boylan Podcast. They told me to shut up. Available for download from all your usual platforms. Just uh, coming up to 20 past 12 on this Monday afternoon. Don't forget, by the way, you can text or WhatsApp at any stage if you want to. All you got to do is text or WhatsApp at 085 100 Wouldn't be much good if I didn't put these on because then I wouldn't be able to hear you. Thank you very much indeed to Nigel Farage. And we are continuing the conversation around immigration. And do you believe the government should cap the numbers? How much is this actually going to cost us? And realistically, can we continue to do what we're doing at the moment or is it just bad policy? Also joining me on Zoom today is Carl Dieter, who is a broadcaster, he's a journalist and he's a political commentator. Good afternoon to you, Carl. Hey, now. Well, you've been listening to what Nigel Farage said. He believes the government are making a hames of this, a complete and utter mess of it, and it's divisive and it's driving people against each other. Would you agree with him? I think that that's a fair assumption um, to the extent that anytime people disagree with a certain narrative, there is like a, a traffic light system of name calling that comes from uh, the, the kind of the standard uh, left oriented elitists of society. So, like, when I say that there's a traffic light system, the acronym that I have in my mind is actually traffic. And depending on the subject, you'll be called a transphobe, a racist, an authoritarian, a fascist, uh, someone who's ignorant, um, or a Karen. Or, you know, these, but, these are the kind well, of basic... Well, realistically, there are many of those out there. And we have seen, by the Absolutely. way, genuine protests being hijacked by people who genuinely are extreme right wing and are up to no good. We've seen genuine situations in relation, say, to the trans issues where there's genuinely transphobes who could basically control that or who get involved in that and give everybody else a bad name. But here's the thing. You, you were in traffic one day and there was a protest at East Wall. Concerned citizens, whatever you want to call them, the government referred to them as right wing protesters. So you decided to get out of the car and have a chat with a few people because you were just curious as to why they were there. And what was the reaction you got? Uh, well, it started off and I thought I was actually maybe going to get slapped around a bit because um, I jumped out and I said, you know, you're blocking my way home. What's the story? And they said, we're protesting. I said, so you are, you're all the far right people I've been here about, are you? And then there was some name calling back and forth. Um, but they could see actually that, that I, was, I wasn't going anywhere. And I also, I didn't escalate it. And I was like, so what, seriously, what's your problem? Um, and then I got speaking to uh, one of the dads. I got speaking to three of the women who were there. One of them was pushing a pram. 
Um, and I thought to myself, look, I, I'm never going to condone like extremists or far right. So I just want to be really clear when you said earlier, there are far right people. Yes, there's murderers. There's all types of bad people in the world. I'm not in condoning or endorsing them. But the people that I spoke to who were there, who had taken time out of their day in order to partake in this, uh, they seemed like just pretty normal people. And one of them told me a story about how there was people up late at night out in the street. There were fights outside that, you know, her, her seen, daughter used seen to play We've seen videos of that actually in Eastwall. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So look, it, it, I, I just took her, I took it that she wasn't lying to me for no reason. So like, I, I don't actually have evidence other than the fact of what they told me, but she seemed like a genuine person uh, relaying genuine concerns. And I think the thing that people miss out on is that a lot of the communities that are, are being, uh, you know, um, like having a lot of refugees put into them uh, thus far have been very working class areas and working class attitudes towards refugees are quite different than the elitist attitudes towards refugees, which are more of a statistical analysis or something. Well, they, well, they haven't really people. had to, they haven't really had to deal with it because <laughs> the government well, are quite clever how they do this. I mean, they're not going to put refugees into Balls Bridge or Shrewsbury Road, are they? Well, I mean, they could, and I, I, I think for moral reasons they should. I think if someone's fleeing from a, you know, a war-torn country, it would be nice to go into some of the nicer neighbourhoods. I mean, that if, if we're truly an Ireland of a thousand welcomes, we should put them into the lovely areas too and show them the best our country has to offer. I but think you, that would be a really as, honourable thing. You know as well as I do what will happen. They would be well, objected look, to just as easily as they'd be objected to in Eastwall, Finglas, Ballymun, <laughs> or indeed County Clare last week, where, you know, when I watch these people standing at the blockades, you know, they were rural Irish, Irish people just standing there concerned. And actually they had a concern about the refugees too because the place they were in wasn't fit for habitation. And, you know, and to have them referred to by some politicians as right wing, I mean, that was quite, I'm looking at them and going, they're not right wing. Look, let's just be really clear. There's this idea in politics of an Overton window, which is the, the, the scope of things that you're allowed to discuss. It's important to remember right wing ideology not taken to the extreme, the same as if you say that you're left-wing, it doesn't mean that you're Joseph Stalin looking to throw everyone in a gulag and murder 100 million people. If you say you're left-winging, no one says that you're like Mao and you want to murder 40 million people. No one says you're like Stalin, murder you know 100 million people. So I don't see why you, people say that they're right-wing, that there's this sudden attached moniker that you therefore are the far-right. Right-wing ideology, by the way, is a perfectly acceptable form of thinking. It's well, it's seen about, as a negative thing in society, isn't it? If you, I mean, no, I would no, consider it's, myself it's, it's, slightly it's, to the right. <laughs> it's considered negative by left-leaning elitists who aren't like most people. They just happen to have very loud voices because they occupy most of academia and most of journalism. Right-wing ideology is all about conservation of the things that we've fought and, and worked hard towards obtaining and to, to actually conserve and maintain those things. Like if you look at the way that that, that people look towards the environment, they're actually psychotically right-wing. They're far right if you're really into the environment because you don't want it to change anymore. You don't want the damage to occur. So depending on how you frame the issue, right-wing ideology is a perfectly acceptable, acceptable political ideology to call someone a right-wing about emigration is actually taking from the left-wing of national socialism, which was actually a left-leaning movement, okay? Because Nazism, communism, fascism, were all came from the left, and it got morphed into this because it was a way to turn an ugly moniker towards those who want to preserve certain aspects of society. So when people say that you're, you're right wing, they're not happy to say that. They have to say that you're far right. In other words, that you are a national socialist, a racist, someone who is, you know, believes in like Aryan concepts, which are awful. And, and that's the thing. I mean, Ukrainian people, they're running from a war, but this is like white on white. So the racism moniker doesn't stick. So they're like, oh, what else can we call you? We can call you xenophobe. We can call you far right. And like I said, there's just this this but, hierarchy of but, name but the media, calling that they we, go through. Okay, but we've watched the media play people like a fiddle. And actually, to be honest with you, I was quite embarrassed watching Ortiz's upfront program that are like, which focused on um, refugees that were living in tents. And there was one gentleman on it, and no harm to him. He was South African. Now, I don't think there's a war in South Africa currently at the moment, but he said, by his own admission, he came to Ireland on holidays and thought it was a nice place, so decided to stay or come back. I can't really get back or say. Now, he's not an asylum seeker. 
he's just somebody who just disobeys the, or the, the rules around immigration and doesn't have a visa to live here. You can't turn around and say he needs to be, you know, protected internationally. So, I mean, how much is this? Because we, we clearly know that there are some people who need our help. There's no doubt about that. And, and they should be supported and helped, particularly if they're, you know, if there's a political persecution or the life is in danger or whatever it happens to be. But, you know, there's a vast sway of people coming into this country now, record numbers, who most are coming from the UK, actually, because they couldn't get uh, uh, permission to remain in the UK. And they're, they're worried about being sent to Rwanda, possibly. Uh, and, you know, so what do you do, Carl? Do you cap the numbers? Because this must be costing well, well, a fortune. There's a couple of things. Obviously, I, I, I am an immigrant and I'm very pro-immigration. And I think that the immigrants have added wonderful things to this country. Uh, and that's not saying that I've added wonderful things. But look, I, I'm very pro-immigration. Actually, when you mentioned that, but you came, program, yeah, but you came here in due process. You obviously had yeah. to get a visa to come here to work. You know, yeah, I, but, yeah. but look, something something that I do want to say. I actually, I, I work not far from Mount Street, and early in the morning, I quite often bring my dog to work. I go walking. I actually spoke to to all of, all of those refugees that were on that show. Um, uh, well, when I say I spoke to, all, I, I spoke to several of them. One of them, very nice guy. I got chatting to him. Um, we were talking about dogs, and he was from Brazil. And I was like, but like, what are you running from? And he said he was running from De Silva, who he thinks is basically a communist dictator. Now, like Brazil is not a failed state. It's not a communist dictatorship. De Silva is an extremist, left-wing extremist, former, you know, criminal. Uh, he runs the country now, but he said that he, he felt safe when Bolsonaro was there. doesn't feel safe now, which is a bit of a mind blow because Irish media would have you believing that, that Bolsonaro basically was killing people in their droves. Not the case. Um, you know, terrible guy in a lot of ways, as are many politicians but he does not fit the profile of a person who okay. is, is seeking refuge that said there was well un, the under the convention well under the convention he doesn't fit the criteria he should be refused <laughs> asylum as likewise uh, the guy who was on holidays from south africa should probably also be refused asylum but, because but they the, don't fit the, the people, criteria yeah the people from angola that are sleeping outside should probably be refused as well but the people from democratic republic of congo i think should be given Absolutely. A straight through process because that country, there is terrible, murderous things happening, and that is very real. Whereas the last time Absolutely. Angola had a and by the way, fifty years ago, once again, I want to reiterate: there are genuine asylum seekers and genuine people seeking protection, and there is rules around that about going to the first safe country, etc., etc., etc. But I mean, from a financial point of view, and you deal in the finances of all this kind of like, well, I don't know, you deal in the finances of this particular situation. The EU obviously are funding some of this as well, but this is certainly costing Ireland money with the Department of Justice paying, you know, hotels. I think the occupancy rate is something around 40% for refugees currently in Ireland and hotels, paying God only knows well over the standard room rate, you know, for refugees all over Ireland. It must be costing yeah. billions. Yeah, so I, I saw published figures that said that the average cost per, per refugee per day is about 70 euro. And if we take it that there's 75,000 from the Ukraine alone, which I think is the estimated official figure, there's probably more coming from other places. And then there's obviously people who might be living on the street and getting nothing. Um, where where are know, they getting that figure of so, 75 from? Because, I mean, the average room that I believe they're paying hotels around... Sorry. Oh, that th that was a figure that was published, as I recall. Um, I think I saw it listed in the... I don't Irish know. examiner. I, I don't know on, any hotel that are giving rooms for 75 quid to the government. They'll probably get yeah, between it, 250 and 300. It was a figure out of around the end mm. of last year, and I think it said that it was around 75 per person. And then the CSO had a, a statistic on the, the number of people who, who fled the war. But look, if you multiply 70 euro by 75,000, that comes out at a day cost of 5.3 million, multiplied by 365 days a year is 1.9 billion. And, um, and, and and we're being told that the cost will be a billion this year anyway. So look, whatever's happening, maybe people are returning and some have been returning to Ukraine. Um, you know, what, there what, might yeah, be people what's staying with families. I mean, in Britain, for example, the situation is that you can claim if you're from Ukraine, which they've taken in very few Ukrainian refugees in Great Britain. But if you are from Ukraine, you can obviously benefit from the state for six months. In other words, you'll get state benefits for six months. After that point, you're on your own. You've got to get a job or you just go on welfare like anybody else, I suppose, if that's the case. I mean, should we bring in rules like that? Because 
I mean, realistically, this war could go on for a long, long time. And I don't want to harp on about Ukrainian refugees. But when it comes to asylum seekers as well, should there be a time limit? Do we need to speed up the process? And do we need to actually start deporting people who, by your own admission and my admission, and also by many expert admission, including Michael McDool, who su suggested that a lot of these people are not genuine asylum seekers. Do we? I mean, Rodrigo Gorman seems determined not to throw anybody out. Yeah, well, sometimes... Sometimes the politicians are actually quite spineless because it's easier to turn around and, you know, play to the very, very vocal group of, of kind of left-leaning elitists who want only one narrative to be heard. Uh, I, I think it's terrible to deport people. Okay, so let's just be clear. I don't actually <laughs> think that the world is very fair, that because I came out of a certain egg and a certain womb and was born into a certain country, that now I have all of these advantages in life. It strikes me as inherently unfair. I think why is it, why is it unfair? Every country has to protect its own economy. Yeah. So why is that unfair? Well, I feel it's unfair on an interper on a, on a, a single person level that my son, who you know comes home and has dinner with me every day, versus someone else's son who worked in a lithium mine when he was eight years old. I find that 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 the world is a terrible place with lots of terrible things happening, and I think that we should strive to alleviate misery where we can. But that to an extent, you have to do that first by making sure that other countries get their act together where possible. But, but second you can't, you is by... But you can't have an open border system situation. You just can't um, because most countries couldn't sustain that. And, and yeah, secondly, well, well, the security look, risk in, in relation to that too. That That's actually the way the world was, Niall, up until maybe about 120 years ago. Every country was open borders. That's actually the way the world was. Like passports didn't exist 200 years ago. Like what I'm saying I was, is that obviously, this but, then, but then we all built an economy. Then we all built our own economies and we protected our own citizens who paid tax to live in but, that but, economy. So you but, have to, I'm not suggesting every country again, should be a bubble, by the that, way. That, again, that historically is just not completely accurate because countries didn't have, like, like labor taxes didn't even exist barely 200 years ago. Like they, they weren't a thing. It was all based on property tax. Now there was grinding poverty. There were huge problems. There was like, you know, anti-immigrant sentiment. There was all of these things. What I'm saying is that we can easily, the, the bureaucracy, the bureaucratic machine of, of refugee asylum uh, systems is one of the great tragedies there. The amount of waste. People should be able to get an answer and be told, yes, you're in or no, you're not. And, and if you're not, and they have to be shipped off, then do it, but don't put them through something where they're waiting six, seven years for that to happen. Well, in a, lot of, in a lot of cases, Carl, in a lot of cases, that's their own fault because what will happen here is people get rejected because they're not genuine asylum seekers. Uh, they'll make an appeal, they get rejected again, then it's down to the courts, to the barristers <laughs> and the solicitors who are making a fortune on free legal aid to represent them again. That could take another four or five years to get back into court again and that's why you have people languishing in direct provision for 10 years because it's constantly appeal after appeal. <laughs> the process needs to be streamlined, it needs to be quicker, more efficient, and maybe, maybe a little I, bit more ruthless. I, I, I'm agreeing with you on all of these things. Like, I mean, I've, I've seen the way it works in the USA, which, you know, they take a pretty hard line on it. They're not as bad, say, or as, as like brutal as the Australians where they stick you on a prison island. But in the USA, you know, they say, look, you're being sent back. Now, maybe we should do something where we say to people, look, rather than be in Ireland where it's expensive, you know, we'll let you, we'll, 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 we'll buy, you know, hundreds of acres in in Morocco and create a nice area there for everyone to live and wait and you can do your appeal from there but that you're not getting into this thing of just land here and then put in your anchor in every way possible you have to be somewhere that's safe we're not going to send you back to a danger zone like there might be some other way and even even the idea that I've just discussed will be full of problems and many okay. other issues but the, the system needs to be better. It needs to be faster. We should be taking in a lot of skilled people, a lot of skilled workers that we do need as a country. You know, we have a housing crisis and half the people, you know, the, the, of men who came here might have massive skills in that space. And yet instead of letting them work and, and, and solve a problem while they're running from a, from a terrible problem, a terrible tragedy, we're not even giving them that opportunity either. So there's just better ways okay. to do things but the, the elitists on the left in particular will not allow that conversation to occur because they're too busy calling out the heresy and the sacrilege of anyone who disagrees. Carl Dieter, listen, thank you very much indeed for joining us today and I appreciate you coming on the air with us. Um, all right, I want to take your calls as well, by the way. Don't forget, you can text or WhatsApp at any stage at 85 100 That's 85 100 2255 if you want to WhatsApp or text and you can come on the air. We'll ring you back or text you back. Let me go to James. James, you're on the Nile Boiling Podcast. How are you doing, James? Hi, I'm Anthony Nile. 
Good afternoon. James, you know, I mean, we are at a crisis point. Not only do we have a housing crisis, we now have an extra 100,000 people in the country taking part in that housing crisis and the government motoring ahead and they don't seem to want to do anything about it. And if you even suggest doing something about it, you're called a right-wing racist. Yeah, that seems to be the, the narrative they're using now at the moment. I think what has happened is I think the minister made a mistake basically opening up the borders like he did. And he won't acknowledge he's made that mistake. So basically, that's why he is going full throttle on it at the moment. But but, but so, not, but not only is he going full throttle, only this weekend in the Irish Examiner, I'm looking at the headlines, thousands more visas could be awarded to a new system for lower-skilled economic migrants being pushed by the Minister for Children and Equality and Disability and Integration, Radical Gorman. So in other words, he's going to reduce the criteria to get here legitimately uh, to the visa system. In other words, and, and by the way, I understand that we need people in hospitality. I understand we need people in construction who would be low-skilled workers. I get all of that, but surely there's a better way of doing things. The problem with that, though, Niall, is that if you are going to do that, if you're going to bring people in and you're going to pay them 11 or 12 euro an hour, where are they going to live? They won't be able to afford to live here. No, they won't. So what are they going to, is it going to come to well, the be on a, they'll, be on a family, they'll be on a family income supplement and claiming the HAP because they won't be able to afford yeah. a house or accommodation. So it'll actually cost money to have them here. It'll actually cost the state more to have them here. And, and so, realistically, you know, when you're on minimum wage, you don't pay much tax on minimum wage anyway. So. No, you pay virtually nothing. No, it's just what really has happened here in Ireland is the fact that they've let, the government has basically swung the borders open because they wanted to look good. Now, now we're seeing the consequences of it where, you know, and listen just to Carl there. I agree about 99% of what he said bar about buying land and shipping people to Morocco. That's pointless, really. But I just... Uh, you know, the first thing they need to do now is put a halt to it this very minute, this very day, and say, right, oh, stop. We have enough in now, and let's deal with what we have here now. I think calling everybody, this new narrative that the left throw out, as Carl has mentioned, of this far right, I would love to know, like, if you actually ask any of these people, when they post this stuff on social media, if you actually ask them um, a direct question, what is far right? Please explain to me, to use that cliche, as like a five-year-old, what do you classify as far right? Well, it's the, I mean, it's having the opposite opinion to them, really, isn't it? I mean, so it, it is, it's it just is it's just an insult to, to keep you quiet, I suppose. Now, don't get me wrong. No, there no. are far right, and there are extremists, absolutely. and there are racists oh, absolutely. who make no, no sense. Yeah, absolutely. You know. Absolutely. But see, the problem now is, now with this, right, if you keep it, like, 10 years ago, if somebody branded you a racist, you'd be horrified. Now, you know, if people keep using these names of racist and far right, what happens eventually is it gets watered down to the stage where someone will say, you're a racist, you'll argue, I'm not. Yes, you are, I'm not. You are, I'm not. And eventually you'll say, you know what, I'm a racist, I don't care anymore. And then what you're doing then is you're watering down for the real victims of racism, people who will be victims of racism, and there are victims, genuine victims of racism. And it's the same with this whole far right thing. They hope that if they keep throwing that far right mud at people, it'll stick to somebody and it'll shut down the debate because we well, need it, to well it does because I was only on television not so, I was only on television not so long ago on the Tonight Show actually talking about this on VMTV and I had mentioned on the air and, and in context I had mentioned that we needed to support and help as many people as possible that is our humanitarian obligation but I said it's quite clear that there are a percentage of those coming into the country who are taking the piss and taking advantage of our system and you know and living on welfare or continuing to live on welfare and there'll be a drain on society and and they're not coming from a war-torn country and that they're economic migrants. Immediately, by a, a contributor, I was called a racist. Now, how is that racism? Yeah, I, you know what? I think also people have forgotten, Niall, is if eventually these people do get proper asylum, under the reunification re programme, what's going to happen then is, oh, their families are going to arrive over. So if you have random name Mohammed coming from Morocco, as, as Carl mentioned, Morocco, when he arrives here and he gets his status, you know, sorted out, you say, well, that's great. I'm going to bring my wife and four children. So you're going to have to take him from, you know, having in a hostel where he's probably going to be now, to eventually going to have to give him a four-bedroom house. Like, this, this is what, I don't think people have actually seen that. So the numbers now are numbering around 100,000. That doesn't include families. And also the situation with the Ukraine war. Hopefully that war will end soon. And when it does, then what's going to happen is the women and children that are here, you know, their husbands are going to come. So for the men that do survive this war, they're going to come here but, as well. But, and but, also, yeah, but that, yeah, but, but, but uh, hang on, that, James, that will be balanced out by many Ukrainians living in Ireland currently at the moment who will return to the Ukraine because I would imagine most will want to return home as soon as the war is over. I would like to think so. Would you return, though? Would you go back to your home thinking that nothing's going to be there? 
if I, if your whole town like the the footage over the weekend of uh, the place there on East Barmouth, I think it's pronounced, mm. is virtually non-existent. Everywhere is bombed to hell. It's going to take 10, 15, 20 years to rebuild that. If you're living in a comfortable lifestyle here, Niall, have a house over your head, a couple of hundred euros a week in welfare, you're not going to turn around and give up that luxury to go back and live in a bombed-out shell, whether it be your own country or not. You're not going to do that because you're going to say, you know what, I live in a country here where I've got a better lifestyle. You know, I have a roof over my head. And, and yes, and, 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 every week. you're right, you're right. And there are people who will stay here, by the way. And I, and I do think we should be adopting some sort of similar system to the UK because the war could go on for a long time whereby, you know, people oh. have to start getting jobs. I, and I'm sure some have already got jobs. But moving away yeah. from Ukraine, the Ukrainian, those who are seeking international protection, I mean, there are many genuine cases, James, of people who are coming from political persecution or their lives are at risk, you know, and we, we, we should be supporting or trying to help as much as we can. But even at that, you know, we, there's a limit to what we can do, particularly politically at the moment with the housing crisis. So why are politicians ignoring this? Why is it everybody else can see this except politicians? Well, Niall, trust me, politicians can see this. But the problem is, and as you mentioned there, we have a very, very, very vocal left minority here. They're the loudest. They have access to all the media, both print, TV, radio. They have full access to that. People like certain political parties who I won't mention, and they have full access. They have family members who work in our main state broadcaster, and they're on air more. Well, than well, well, well I mentioned the guy that was on the, up front the other night, and he sat there blatantly and said, you know, he came from South Africa. He came here on a holiday, and he liked it so much that he came back or he stayed or whatever it was. He, he's not yeah. a refugee. He's just somebody who just didn't apply for a visa to come to Ireland. There's no war yeah. where he lives. Somebody else, as Carl mentioned, was from Brazil. Again, there's no war. He can claim he doesn't like the government. That's fine. I could leave Ireland tomorrow and say, I don't like the Fine Gael, Fine Gael government. I feel they're impinging on my rights and my liberties. I want to go to America. I bet you I know what I'll be told at JFK Airport. Get back on a plane and go home, you fool. So, I mean, uh, yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Well, stay, well, stay there for a second. Well, well, hang on. Sorry, just, I want to go yeah. to Breed as well because you're waiting a while. Sorry, Breed. You've been waiting a while there. I do apologize. That's okay. How are you? Good, Breida. Nice to talk to you. Breida, I mean, what's your your feeling on what's happening currently at the moment? Do you think the government are ignoring the people or do you think they're doing the right thing? No, they're completely ignoring the people. I mean, I, I full empathy for anybody that comes from any country where they're being persecuted and everything else. But I'm a firm believer we need to look after our own first mile. And you see, nowadays, like, if you even say that line, you're called a right wing. Okay. Extremist. Well, I'm no, I'm, I know you're not, by the way. I'm just saying. No, but yeah, okay. I know that. But like, why Why are we Why are we putting ourselves under severe pressure to take all these people into a country where we don't have the facilities for them, we don't have the schooling for the kids, we don't have the infrastructures, and yet we have how many thousands of our own people living in, in, in a hotel bedroom with mum and dad and three kids. And, you know... Nearly, they're nearly being ignored. It's like they're the forgotten people mm -hmm. of Ireland, and I, I firmly believe that. And I, and like my thing would be, you prioritise them first. Put all these few people that are coming in, put them in hotels, put them in the bedrooms, and 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 let's get our own sorted out first. The government are, are have their head under the the duvet as if this isn't happening at all. Since you like and that, I, all right, yeah. It is, but that's, that's exactly what it is. They're ignoring the fact that we're being absolutely annihilated with gas and electricity and, you know, this USC charge is only supposed to last for a couple of years. It'll never go oh, away. Oh, Serenda Kenny um, promised in 2011 they would eliminate it over the next five years. They never did it. It's still there. No, it's there for good. Don't worry about it. And it will never go. <laughs> no. But, like, the, 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 the price of electricity has probably reduced 50%. I mean, the government should be stepping in with these kind of things and saying, reduce your prices immediately. And, you know, like giving us all the 200 euros was fantastic to get. And I was very grateful to get it. But like, it doesn't ah, don't, don't, be going, don't be going cap in hand, by the way. I mean, the government are obliged to help you as a citizen. You know what I mean? But but I, I know what you're saying. So all of these problems cumulatively cause a huge problem in the country. And, and you have said the line that many people say that we should be looking after our own first. And it's almost nowadays, if you say that, you're deemed to be some sort of crazy lunatic racist just for even suggesting that because you were born in this country, pay tax all your life in this country, you deserve some sort of priority over somebody who swans in on a holiday and decides to stay here. Yeah, absolutely. And um, the other thing I firmly believe, 
anybody that's in this country seeking asylum or anything else, get them out painting the old people's houses, get them sweeping the roads, get them tidy up gardens. Like they have to, they should be made to do like community, some kind of community work within the community they're living in to pay back what they're getting. That would be a fair point, James. I know some uh, people are allowed to work within the direct provision centres. I think it's for six months, the first six months when they get here, but only limited types of jobs. But it would be fair, James, you know, I mean, we've suggested this before from our own people who are living on social welfare, that they should be working for the community. So we should be, you know, trying to get it back, James, in some way. Well, see, Niall, if you have people working in the community, then that's the council's job. You know, while I understand the, the lady's thoughts behind it, you know, you know, working for your dollars, as you did mention before on, on previous shows, but what you're doing then, Niall, is you're basically, you're, you're bringing labour costs down. So, you're, you know, you're going to basically cheap it. Well, that's everything. like a race to the bottom, you know, is so it? Basically, a full race to the bottom. No, I, I, as Carl, again, I, one thing I will go back to him again, he mentioned it, the Australian model. And if you ever watch their programmers on, on, um, I've watched on them. TV... You're not getting in. <laughs> what they do is, yeah, you're not getting in, they detain you, they put you back on a plane that day, yeah. and then um, they charge the airline to fill you in. If that's the proper way to do it. I know. Well, I, I, you, well you're saying that's the people. proper way, but 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 now Nigel Farage spoke about that at the start of the show. But but you know Australia have been condemned for the way they do it, which is putting people who do manage to get themselves into Australia, they put them on a prison island. Um, and they've also, by the way, when people came across the sea to Australia from India and other places like that, what they did was, and some people may have been genuine, they turned the boats around, brought them back to where they came from, and then burned the boats. And their idea was, well, if we do that, it'll discourage them from trying to do it in the future. And it works. You take, if you just take very quickly now, you take the situation in the Mediterranean a couple of years ago where Western governments... What was well, it's still happening. It's still happening right now. Traffickers, they, they are. Traffickers are pushing people out in boats into the Mediterranean and they're saying to the all the governments, you must come and collect these people because if they don't come and collect them, they're all going to either drown or they're going to die of dehydration and, and starvation. So, you know, where if the government turned around and says, lads, we tell you what, no, we're not doing it. I'm sorry to the people. I know it sounds harsh now. And I know it sounds hard to simply say, we're sorry, you're not going to. And then if that feels just true to everybody around the world, they might say, well, you know what? I'm not going to pay a trafficker a thousand euro to stick me in a boat to push me to the men and hope that the Irish or the okay. Royal Navy okay. pull, me, pull me out. Stay, well, 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 hang on. Stay there for a second. Let me just bring Gavin in as well. Gavin, you're in our, our, Gavin, you're in the Nile Boiling Podcast. How are you, Gavin? How's things today, Noel? It's a great show today, Noel. Thank you very much indeed, Gavin. I appreciate it. Uh, Gavin, what do you want well, to say? Now, like you know, the, you, I was I loved what Carl and Nigel was saying, but the, like you know, Paul Murphy, the Champagne Socialist, like he calls my name. Like it's not nice the names he calls us. You know, it's not nice. So I'm out obviously on all these protests and stuff, and he, even outside the doll, he called me name. Oh, Gavin Pepper's a faroy this and a faroy that, and it's, it's okay. Well, well then, well then, tell. Fair. Okay, well, well, here's your opportunity. I want you, leaving aside politicians, and don't mention their names if they're not on the air because they don't have a right to reply, right? Okay. I, don't want to give, I, don't, I don't want to give them any excuse. But so you're out on a protest. So I walk up to you, I'm from the media, and I say to you, right, Gavin, why are you on this protest? Tell us the reasons why you're on the protest. Right, I will. And Sorry, Gavin. when you tell someone from the Irish Independent because they report it differently, they, they, they don't report it properly. The, the mainstream media. So the reason why I'm out is I, I welcome genuine refugees, women and children and families fleeing war and persecution. I, even when you've no room, you make room for genuine people like that. But we're not getting that. Like a, a lot of what we're getting is undocumented, unvetted, military-aged male migrants, they're economic migrants, that are here to work in low-paid hospitality sector. I mean, I'm, 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 not, I'm not disagreeing with you, but it does load it a little bit when you say, the, when you use the term military-aged. I mean... I, well, are, I, I don't know what age are, you are. What, what age are you, Gavin? I'm 27. Are you military aged? Well, I'd be fit enough military aged. <laughs> like, but the only thing I'm trying to say to you is, is in wording really important? And I'm not having a go. I'm just saying when people use the term military age, it, it kind of suggests something. Yes, they are well, middle-aged men. Well, young men. Yeah, young absolutely. Men. Yeah, yeah, okay. young men. Many, you know I mean? many of them are, so, yes. Yeah, so you're asking me why I'm on these protests, right? So... Let, let's be honest, right? H how could bringing in that amount of people, right, reduce the waiting list for housing? How could that reduce trolleys? 
Hey, look, look, the, the left... The well, left it's not. It's going to put pressure on all those services. It'll put pressure. Yeah. But, they, but the, the media doesn't say that. Like, the media never say that. They don't, they, don't, they don't want... They just keep calling us far away for trying to speak. Well, I'm out for my daughters. And, you know, the videos across, you've seen in the red cow, you've seen the things that these men have done, but they, nothing gets said about it on RTE. Like, the regular media won't report it. When people that cause violence like that should be put on a boat and sent home. Well, like if you're, well, you're well, going to wreck the place for free accommodation... I'm not going to disagree with you. If you're here as a guest of the nation, which essentially people can be guests of the nation until such a time as you're given permission to remain, and you commit a crime or you're involved in a fracas or you're involved in violence or sexual assault or whatever it happens to be, I couldn't agree with you more. You should be deported. And that's the way it would be in most yep. countries in the world. But it's not like that in Ireland. And why why do you think there's a why do you think there's a reluctance to deport the obvious? Well, and, and, and again, I want to go back to what you said because I want to be fair to you. You did say that people who are genuinely fleeing war, political persecution, their life is in danger. They're with their family, their kids, the whole lot. They're welcome, and we should support them. Roll out the red carpet, give them as much support as we possibly can. But those, as you call them, young men. Uh, who are coming over here, who are not fleeing war, from Albania, uh, places like Georgia. We, we listened, watched up yeah. front on RT the other night. South Africa, Brazil. There's no wars in these countries. Exactly. So they should be sent home. Like, so like, like, and then they come here with no passport. Like, it's such a ridiculous statement to say that you arrived with no documentation when they clearly did and just ripped it up. Oh, and sorry. Sorry. The, the government don't want to talk about these things. They don't want to sorry. talk about it at all. They'll put little bits in. Yeah, sorry, Brady. You want to say something to Gavin there? Go ahead. you there, Gavin. They tear up their documents and flush them down the toilet in the aircraft. I've, 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 it's happened to me several times. They do arrive into the country with no documentation. They get on the plane with it, but they don't have it when they get off. I, I have you? One, one, okay, I, I don't want to get into. Obviously, you work in the airline industry yourself. I know. Yeah, yeah. But I tweeted one night. There was an awful lot of flushing going on, and I just. I just, and my gut said, and I sent one, a, we sent a message ahead, and sure enough, they had no documentation, but they had when they got on, uh, say it was Frankfurt or wherever it was. So they do. So, so they, weren't, they weren't actually coming from the country where they claim they were resident, they were coming from Frankfurt. Well, according to the according to the, the convention, and, and you know, people who are refugees are entitled to go what they call the first safe port. Now, if the first safe port refuses them, there's not a lot can be done. They can then go to what they call the second safe port. Uh, if the right. second safe port wants to, by law, we have uh, a right to return them to the first safe port. In other words, if somebody's coming via Frankfurt, we have a right under the convention to send them back to Frankfurt because they have to yeah. deal with the same with people who come into France or people come into the UK but or whatever the countries. If they have no documentation when they land in this country, they're then given... They're, they're taken away and questioned and stuff, but because they can't prove exactly where they're from, they're held until they can make a decision as to whether they're going to be deported or they're going to be allowed into the country. It's, it's like they have it down to a T. I'm not, and I'm not being racist here. So anyone that's listening to this, I am not being racist. I, I don't know what their circumstances are, how desperate they are. Well, are they? Well, here's the thing, then, Breda. To be fair to people, to be fair, if you, if you and your family. We're facing a situation in Ireland where there's political persecution or indeed you're in or economically things were very bad in Ireland. And I mean, I know they're bad, but nothing compared to third world countries. Um, no. Do you believe you should have the right to leave this country and go to France or go to Germany or go to another country? Or, well, wouldn't they would be in the, within the EU? You can go there anyway. But go to America or Australia or Canada. No, because you, you have to meet certain criteria to get into these countries. We're like, we're opening the door and saying, ah, oh, come on in, a thousand welcomes, and there's no questions about where they're coming from half the time. Like, as that, young, as that other man said, not a lot of young men coming into this country that really don't need to be in this country. And, you know, again, like, if you're not going to be coming in and being proactive and productive in this country... Go back to where you came from. No, they'll argue they want to be proactive and productive, but they can't because they're not allowed to get a job. I mean, Gavin. No, well, well, okay. Back, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. work again. Sorry, yeah. Sorry, sorry, so, Gavin. Go. Well, well, hang on, Gavin. Go ahead. If, if no, what were you going to ask me? Now? What? Sorry, say. Yeah. I, no, I was going to ask you, Gavin. You know, I mean, 
the point that's being made by many people is that, you know, people are, are a drain on the system because it costs a fortune when you have people who are not allowed to work. Should people who come into this country under the uh, seeking international protection or asylum seekers, should they be allowed to all to work? No. No, no. Like, like, you look after your own food. You look after your own food. Like, like, this is all about... But we don't, we, but we don't have enough workers here in this country. We're, we're, we're seeing a massive problem. Uh, Noel, 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 that, that's it. That's an old yoke to keep wages low. No, it's like, not. You know, Gavin, you know... You, well, hang on. Yeah, during, well, during the Celtic Tiger, we had the same issue. We had people, thankfully, who came from Poland, uh, Russia, all over Europe as well, to work in the construction industry in this country, which helped uh, the, the boom during the Celtic yeah, Tiger. Yeah, but you, you, didn't have, you didn't have none of them living in one bedroom, Noel. Like, I'm not being funny or anything, but it wasn't like that. So but we do need workers. Dead, like, like, we like, need workers. There's a lot of jobs. You, Gavin, you know as well as I do, there's a lot of ga- jobs the Irish people just don't want to do. I don't know why. But the wages are so low. That's why. Like, like, if, you pay, if you pay a non-document, well, just say an economic migrant, 11 euro an hour, Noel. Now, be honest, right? Are they going to be able to afford to rent in Dublin? No, they're not. No. So, therefore, it makes no sense. Like, you're just going to have to give HAP and, and welfare. Like, in the end, it's just... A scam. It's a scammer. A system. Well, they're, ta- well, the they're taking advantage system, of a system. The Irish system is ran really badly. And what I'm saying is, is we've enough problems in Ireland. The trolleys okay. are packed in the hospitals. Now, look, I'm just trying to say, look, we, we have our own issues. We have our own social No, no, problems I accept that. that. No, I, I absolutely accept I, that. And everything that we do is making that problem worse. I get that. But, yeah, but, but the most important thing I want to say is, I want to ask your honest opinion on this, Noel. If you have a girl, let's say Louise, she's on the housing 11 years. Do you think it's fair that she's still on the housing list and a Ukrainian family gets a brand new modular home after four years? Do you think that's fair? I'm just asking about fairness here. No, No, I don't think it's fair. And that's what my issue is. Okay, sorry, sorry, Brady. Well, hang on, Gavin. You're trying to say something there, Brady. No, I'm just saying that's my whole point from the beginning that, you know, give the Irish people the homes that are being built at the moment, put the Ukrainians or whoever it is into the hotels and let them do their time wherever they have to do it. They still have a roof over their head. They're still getting three meals a day, you know, and mind our own first. Okay, we'll say that. Well, hang on. Let me go to Maureen as well. Maureen, you're on uh, the Nile Boiling Podcast. How are you doing, Maureen? Good afternoon, Niall. How are you? Good afternoon to you. Maureen, what do you want to say? Um, well, yeah, I'm, look, I, you know my opinion, Niall, and I'm of the same opinion, and it's not going to change one way or the other. But, we, have okay, but, many but, in the, we have too many people in this country, in my town. But let, but let me get to another element of it, okay? You, you spoke to us before in relation to this, but let me get to another element yeah. of it. Roderick Gorman has now said that we need more workers. So if we're to build more housing, and, you know, Sinn Féin are promising a massive amount of housing if they get into Paris, so are Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil, we don't have enough workers. So the argument now by Roderick Gorman is is that we should reduce the criteria for getting a visa for low-skilled workers to come to Ireland. Now, Gavin makes a good point. What's the point in having a low-skilled worker on 11.50 an hour when they're not going to be able to afford to live in the country anyway? So, But in saying that, we do need more workers. We need people to build houses. We need people working in hospitality. Dublin bus can't even get drivers at the moment because nobody's applying for the bloody jobs because they're just there's no unemployment in this country unless you want to be unemployed. There is no unemployment. No, that's not, but you look all gormless. That's what I call it. Oh, gormless. Oh, gormless, yeah. The government know this. And they know that the, way, the wages should be raised. But this all began happening years ago when wages were low, now. And the rumour went out, oh, the Irish wanted this job and the Irish wanted that job and we need all these foreigners. So that was another load of crap. Mm. For example, I was saying, in my town, there's a hotel here. Up on the door, oh, we're sorry, but we're closed. To the public, we're sorry for the inconvenience because they're full of Ukrainians. So they can't even open the bar for the local person that would go and have a cup of coffee in there. So now that's to me, I'm a second class citizen. They're guests in this country. Why should I be a second class citizen to suit them? I don't care where they come from. I don't really care anymore. I've had enough of it. Well, you, you, well, you don't begrudge the Ukrainian people a room in the hotel, do you? They can they have their room in the hotel, but why should the bar... Or a restaurant be close to the public who are willing to pay. Well, I, I'm assuming it's because they just don't have the ability, they don't have the staff to deal with many more people than if they have a full hotel, I imagine. 
which is, by the way, well, it's going to be a huge problem in the summer because we now have a situation. I was only spoken to somebody the other night who came from Canada to stay in Ireland for the night, and he said he's he travels the world. He said Ireland was the most expensive place he got a hotel because the problem is the hotels can charge what they want because they have forty percent occupancy, I believe, for example, in and around Dublin, just alone in relation to refugees yeah. because the Department of Justice are paying for the rooms. So that's going to be a problem for tourism as well this year. It is, yeah, and and I, where I live is 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 actually a summer town. So what's, so what's the answer? The, you know, we want to, we want the cave meal of Falcha. We don't want a bad reputation in the world for being, you know, horrible people and racist people or right-wing nutcases. We want the cave meal of Falcha, but we also want, as Gavin rightly says, we don't want people taking advantage or scamming off the system. So, so no, how do we? Don't. So, but then how do you deal with it? But how do you, how do you deal with it? Then? You close the borders. Just you for everybody. To say no, but but for everybody. A right now, now for everybody. Until the really Irish people, and I again say Irish first. Of course, Miles. you clean your own house before you clean somebody else's house. And I don't give a rat's ass who calls me a racist. I couldn't care less. Because those words mean nothing to me. They're just slur words thrown at people to try and shut them up. And I will not be shutting up for anybody. Sorry, Gavin. Yes, go on, you want to say something? Well, hang on, hang on. Gavin just wants to say something very quickly because I've only got about two minutes. Go on, Gavin. Yeah, no, no, the, like, I, I agree with on the close the borders. Like, we need to have an Australian style border system here because the EU, the, the Irish government, like we, we, we actually, it's, we, it's in their law that we don't even have to be doing this. So it would be difficult. It thing. would be difficult for us, Gavin, to have a situation like Australia. Now, mind you, Australia's been condemned for this for the way they do it. But you have to remember, Australia is a continent out on its own. We're part of the European Union, so it would be very difficult for us to have any situation similar would, to Australia. I would rather, I would rather leave the EU than like, like, like I I've loved the EU all my life and being pro EU. But if, if being in the EU means that I just have to set, accept like unlimited mass migration. So, if the, so, in other words, if there was a, an air exit like Brexit, uh, obviously the main argument from Nigel Farage during Brexit was to control your borders, you'd be voting yes to leave. Yeah, I would, yeah, because I, I want a safe or secure country. But it's, I want to save me culture. Like, there's nothing wrong with loving being no. Irish, Noel. Look, I, I want to save, like, me, like, history, like, history books should be about Ireland. And I, I, and Germany, I don't disagree with you. Germany on holiday. I know, I know, I don't disagree with you, and I think our identity is important, but I will also say the world is changing. We're a little bit older, Gavin. The world is changing and, you know, it is becoming more diverse. And I have no issue with people coming to Ireland through the proper channels. It is becoming more diverse and I, I don't see an issue with that either. Yeah, but it needs uh, to be like genuine refugees, the proper channels. Like, well, not get you know it's not the proper channels, Noel. Like, like, okay, like, hang on, Keith. Like, like Peter, do we have a lot of criminals that are to come in here, and the government they don't. That's that's the gentleman it. who murdered two people in Zimbabwe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay, but stay, but stay there, Gavin. Sorry, I gotta go quickly to Keith as well. I'm running out of time. Keith, go ahead. How are you, Noel? Good listening to you. Have you had anyone on that has disagreed with you about closing these borders? No. I don't think so. No. And thanks, thanks very much for highlighting it yet again, because you're, you're probably one of the few, you know. We all have no problem with, with them coming in, into the country legit. I mean, when we, I'm, I'm heading East Wall, and when we started that off in November, all our fears that the whole community spoke about down here, but we had the other few, the Welcome Committee, who are more or less being paid, like the same the ones that were shouting over in Pear Street, you know. And all this business about the far right coming into Ireland, we're not in North Korea, we're in, we're in Ireland, we're in Dublin at the moment, you know. That, that ship has well sailed, they can all say what you want. And regarding that man talking outside the, the doll about that other chap that's on the line there, you, you know, they're trying to rush in everything else that's to try and, and then, you, as you said about Roderick, about you need people to walk, he's trying to put a spin on things now. Well, there, know, well, yeah, but there's no, yeah, but there's no doubt. Whatever, about whatever spin you want to think he's putting on it, there's no doubt that we need workers. We do need workers. Okay, we we do we do need workers. But I'll ask you this: You seen the footage of the riot outside the ESB building here with at least forty to fifty men fighting with each other? Are they the type of workers you want? No, well, I I don't want violent people in our society. No. No, and and that's the reason. As they are speaking, but they're not they're, all violent. But yeah, but, but they're not, yeah, but with respect, with respect, and, and yes, I saw the videos, and it's despicable. And I I don't want violent people in society, and I'm sure the locals don't want them in their area. But in saying that, not every person that comes to Ireland is violent. They're not no, all violent. No, 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 no. But I mean, if you haven't got enough room to put them in, and where and where where they're going to go. Common sense will tell you if your house is flooded, you turn off the water. You know. So you do, you, you know, believe? So you believe we should be putting a cap on the numbers? 
at the moment, and let them deal with what they have and put, put, pick out the bad ones that's there at the moment and send them back. All right, listen, on that note, i got to have to wrap it up. Thank you very much indeed, Gavin, Maureen, Keith, and everybody, uh, James, everybody who got involved in today's show. Uh, I think he's made a good point. I think everybody agrees. Well, I did a poll uh, not so long ago on social media and out of 6,000 votes, not scientific, of course, because it's my Twitter following. Many of them would be not my followers, but many of them would have been my followers. But the majority of those people, 97%, believe the government should put a cap on it. I suggested on television one night, I was called a racist for even suggesting it, that when we get to a point or this point that we're at now, we should be saying, right, let's just stop, take a breath, deal with what we have. And as he rightly said, if there are people within there who don't deserve to be here or shouldn't be here or they're violent or whatever it is, that they indeed should get deportation orders. Those who are genuinely coming from war-torn countries, whose lives are genuinely in danger, who need our support, should be supported. And I support that too. But in saying that, we have to take a pause. We're in the middle of a housing crisis. We've already got 12,000 people born in this country who were in temporary accommodation. That was here before we even started all this last year. We need to deal with that. I don't believe, like many people, that there's anything wrong with the line that we need to look after our own first. I don't believe there's anything wrong with that line. I think people say that quite passionately. I think people are quite patriotic when they say that as well, by the way. I don't think that, that means they're ignoring other people and the plight of other people around the world who come here. They just mean that if you're born here and you've paid taxes here all your life, then maybe there should be a certain level of priority. And Gavin mentioned, for example, a girl who might be on the housing list a long, long time and a family coming from whatever country of the world who comes here will get housed before them in a modular home. It's not fair, is it, really? I mean, think about it. I don't care how left-wing you might be. It's just not fair. Because people are entitled, when they pay tax in this country, and they've been born in this country, they're entitled to a level of priority. I would imagine so. Would you not think so? Now, if we can help everybody else as well, and we have enough money and enough space, well and good, let's do that, because we're Irish. We have a cave meal of you. But if we have criminals in this country, if we have people coming to this country and we don't know who they are, we need to get on to Interpol. We need to find out who they are. Uh, there are people who don't deserve to stay here. They have a criminal record who would never normally get into Ireland. They need to be deported. And we need to have deportation orders. That's the, they're the laws of the land. We have immigration policy. Unless we're just going to tear that up and throw it away. Anyway, listen, thank you very much indeed. Don't forget, if you want to catch the podcast on downloads, you can. If you go to my website, nileboylan.com. That's nileboylan.com. You can listen to all the podcasts that we've done last week. And again, this week, they'll be put up about two or three hours after the show ends. Uh, don't forget, we take down the live stream once the show ends. But you can go onto the podcast and have a listen on the nileboylan.com. As usual, if you want to watch or just listen to the audio podcast rather than watching it, you can go onto the website. There's an audio version there. You can also go to Spotify, iTunes, and all the usual places that you get your downloads. And they're all there. If you just search for the Nile Boylan podcast, they tell me to shut up. Uh, you'll find it there as well. Thank you very much indeed. I'll be back again with you tomorrow at 12 o'clock. And don't forget, by the way, if there's ever anything you want us to raise in the show, all you got to do is WhatsApp us. Go onto my Twitter, send me a message. Go to our Facebook, send us a message. But WhatsApp. We get the messages straight away. 085 100 Until then, I'll talk to you again tomorrow at 12. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Podcast. Listen live on Facebook, YouTube, and all the usual live stream services. To get in touch, just WhatsApp or text 085 100 The Niall Boylan Podcast. They told me to shut up. Available for download from all your usual platforms.